Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Fanuary Celebration. On Monday, we found out how and why Mark Zuckerberg ruined the world in the social network. So today we're finding out how Steve Jobs changed it in the imaginatively titled Steve Jobs. That's really hard to say. What do you do? You're not an engineer. You're not a designer. You can't put a hammer to a nail. I built the circuit board. The graphical interface was stolen. So how come 10 times in a day, I read Steve Jobs as a genius. What do you do? Musicians play their instruments. I play the orchestra. I'm begging you to manage expectations out there. You see how this reminds you of a friendly face? It's warm and it's playful and inviting and it needs to say hello. If you keep alienating people for no reason, there's be no one left for it to say hello to. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which one will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And Alex Zane is still AWOL. Alex, if you're listening to this, and we know Which you aren't, because <laughs> you aren't on it and you're only listening to the episodes that you're on, uh, we love you and we miss you. Yes, we do. Mm, Sorry. A bit of a pause there from Vicky. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was looking at my notes. <laughs> uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, what are you doing? Just press that specific button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And if you're able to give us a rating and review while you're at it, we would be eternally grateful. And you could even have it read out on the show like this one. So this is from Mr. Kidger, who says, My kind of people, after listening to many other inferior movie podcasts, this one is a breath of fresh air. Alex, Chris and Giggles McG- McGee. <laughs> Giggles McGee. Get it right, Chris. I like that. Anchorman. Yeah. Um, apologies to Vicky. Um, our excellent trio of hosts and friends who I would gladly join for a post-drink movie. 
post-movie drink. Oh, this is too much talking for me to do at the start of the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't always agree with the winner, but I'm always entertained. Uh, thanks for making Mondays worth looking forward to again. Five oh, stars. That's very nice. That's... We can have a post-drink movie. No big deal. <laughs> do some work while we're at it. <laughs> Two birds, one star. Oh, thank you for that, Mr Kidger. And also, thanks to whoever voted for us on the Pod Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking bronze. I we love it. We got that result last week. That yeah. was third. That's amazing. Brett Goldstein must be shitting himself quite rightly. We, might, we, should, we need to get him on here. I don't know if he'd come now because we're dead rivals. <laughs> he came on here, we might get two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, but thank you for that. It means a lot. It does. Does it? Yes. yes. It does. <laughs> third is great. I'm British. Third place. Third yes. place. And we really weren't expecting it. That was some stiff competition. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, these films were chosen by Andrew Logan. And if you want to know why, you'll have to listen to the start of Monday's episode where Vicky talked us through the social network. So now I have the jobs of taking you on a journey. Oh, my God. This is this is way too much talking for the start of the podcast. Well, Can you say a, something? Have a water. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you want me to tell you when I first saw it? We'll just do it in a different order. <laughs> sure, do it. Do you want me to? Yeah, I need a break. Have a rest. All right, have a rest. It's not a, a thrilling story, so I feel like I might have oversold it. I just watched it once on Netflix. But... I'll bore you with a bit of personal history. I was, I'm not, I don't own that many Apple things. I'm not like a big Apple person and I never have been. So I was really fascinated, which is, this is dark, but I'm just going to admit it because it's gross, but it caught my attention at the time. It's horrible. Um, Steve Jobs is use of complementary and alternative medicine to treat his cancer initially. Mm. That just really caught my eye in a really horrible and dark way because then it didn't seem to work. And then yeah. obviously he used more traditional treatments, which also didn't seem to work. Um, and I just find that sort of thing, like a person with all those resources mm. and access to, you, you imagine, you don't know what it's like to be one of the richest people in the world, but you imagine you get the best of everything yeah. and it still didn't work out for him. I just find that, you know, sort of weirdly. I've always thought that. Yeah. If anyone was going to figure it out that, yeah. or find a way, it was going to be It would be him. him. Mm. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a bit of an icky thing to admit. But yes. Weirdly, this is gross to say. It's weirdly life affirming because you're like you're just like us kind of thing. Like it doesn't matter what money you've got, your cancer's coming for you. Uh, but that's a horrible thing to say. I'm so kind I of say that. yeah. I'm kind of regretting asking you to speak now. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I never do this. If Alex is away, I'm not like stand back, Chris. <laughs> Sit back down. Uh, when did I first see it? <laughs> um, I got invited to an early screening because I was doing an interview with Danny Boyle. Right. Nice. Lovely. Much better my, story. My favourite person to interview. No mentions of cancer. No. Perfect. Uh, he was a lovely man. Um, I'll post, I'll post the, uh, the interview on our Twitter, but and I'm going to use a little bit of it later because, um, yeah, he he's, he's talks very eloquently about this production. Right. Um, do you want to go on a journey? Sure. <laughs> Visionary. Uncompromising. Deceptive. Manipulative. Provocative. Difficult. Ferocious. Dedicated. Cruel. Those are words Alex and Vicky use to describe me when my back is turned. <laughs> and they are also words used by writer Aaron Sorkin, director Danny Boyle and star Michael Fassbender when describing the subject of their film, Steve Jobs. That story is told via the build-up to three product launches, the Macintosh, the Next Computer and the iMac in three different time periods and consists of Jobs mainly interacting with people he didn't interact with on those days and saying things he didn't actually say. <laughs> but it's all very symbolic, painting a picture of a true pioneer and focusing on what he sacrificed and lost while he was busy changing the world. Presenting for your consideration, Steve Jobs. 
So when did you first see Steve Jobs, Vicky? Uh, <laughs> Don't do it again. I will do it again, yeah. Unless we do it again, I do a nice version where I don't talk about pancreatic cancer. Uh, but so, you just <laughs> mentioned it. So um, much like Monday's show, uh, this is based on a book. Uh, the book is called Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Uh, which was based on 40 interviews uh, with Steve conducted over two years, as well as hundreds of other interviews uh, with people he interacted with. Um, Jobs wanted everyone to be honest with Isaacson. Uh, he wanted no control over the book and didn't ask to read it before publication. Oh, I wonder if that's really true. I think it is. Okay. No, I, I really genuinely believe that. Um, it was published on October uh, 2011, 19 days after his death. Oh, okay. Which was just a coincidence, sadly. Um, so Sony acquired the rights to the book that month and hired Aaron Sorkin to adapt it. Uh, he identified five conflicts in Steve's life and found ways to play them out at specific events. Um, some of these conversations happened, but not backstage, mm. at a product launch. But then um, Sorkin went and spoke to those people. So he interviewed Joanna Hoffman, John Scully, Steve Wozniak, Andy Hertzfeld, uh, Christanne Brennan and Lisa Brennan-Jobs. Um, and he said that I believe it was when he spoke to Lisa, mm. the daughter, which is clear when you watch the film, that that's when he knew he had a story. Uh, the script was long, really long, um, but he did that stopwatch trick I mentioned on Monday where he said it really quickly and proved <laughs> it could be done in two hours. Um <laughs> And yes, I remember them announcing Fincher directing and Christian Bale starring. Yeah. Would have watched that. Definitely. Um, they both dropped out and Danny Boyle and Leonardo DiCaprio came on board. Okay. Danny liked the fact that it wasn't a biopic because um, he didn't want to make a film that was what he called cradle to grave uh, structure. Yeah. He wanted. He liked the fact it was about not the stuff we know about jobs, but focus on the stuff we don't know. Mm. Um, and when I spoke to him... I asked him how he harnessed the rhythm and power of Sorkin's words. So mm. this is what he said. What he tries to do is he tries to he lets you bring in the cinematic part of the world and he provides the dialogue. And the dialogue in this case is not just interesting stuff people are saying to each other. It's almost like the vehicle by which you express genius because the people in the film, especially Jobs, but but Wozniak as well. These are geniuses in a way in terms of what they achieved. So you go, how do you represent them in a movie? Do you show them writing mathematics or opening up machines or stuff like that? You don't. You use something, you know, because actors and me, we don't have those skills really. They're fake. When you see them done, you know. You don't really understand that algorithm you're writing out. It's just you've been told to write it out and it looks good. <laughs> but what actors do understand is language. That's their, that's their tool really. And so he uses that to suggest speed of thought and size of mind, really. And that's what you're chasing the whole time. And it, why, is it, it, why 185 pages doesn't feel laborious. It feels like you're on a tunnel just racing down a tunnel trying to keep up with these people. And, and that's a wonderful way of illustrating what this pursuit of this vision was like, really. And the damage that's done on the way there, you know, which it is done to some people, and, and the devotion it inspires in other people. So yeah, he can express that better than I can. That was brilliant. I love his voice. I love listening to Danny Boyle's voice. Oh. It's like the successful cousin I never had. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. That was brilliant. Oh, really and, I, and I got to talk to him about music on that interview because I the music he was using in the film. I love you know Bob Dylan and Libertines and <laughs> and he was going to make a Bowie biopic and oh. Yeah. It's just great. He's great on everything. But yeah, so he was on board. Uh, then DiCaprio dropped out. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck and Bradley Cooper were all considered. Then Christian Bale came back on board. 
Then he was gone again. Then Michael Fassbender read it, loved it, but wanted a break from movies. Um, so he turned it down. Um, but Danny Boyle flew to where Fassbender was holidaying in Australia and tried to convince him to take the role, which is pretty extreme. How would Interrupted you... him on holiday? Yes. I know, he I've said just with said his... Danny Boyle's a nice guy. He but said I'm with his sure family. How would you feel if he showed up on your holiday? On my family holidays, yeah. I would be livid. <laughs> Oh, I, I was like on because he's a nice guy. So I suppose you'd be like, oh, cool, Danny Boyle's yeah, here. Yeah, can we talk about train spotting? Do you want a drink after a movie? <laughs> a movie after a drink? Whatever. Oh, you're here to offer me a part in your new movie? <laughs> oh, nah, mm, come join us. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So uh, Fassbender signed up. Um, was this before or after Prometheus? It's after, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Just because I wonder, you know, the Christian Bale makes perfect sense to me and because Batman's a robot sort of. As it, I don't mean he's a literal robot, but in terms of the emotional expression that he has as Batman, he has to keep things in check and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then Prometheus, that you know, it makes sense that Michael Fassbender can do that. And are we again looking for a man who's basically not human <laughs> in that usual way, like the empathetic way? Like, I don't know. Well, it's a weird piece of casting. I did say that to Danny in that interview that I look at Michael Fassbender, I don't think Steve Jobs. No. And he didn't even sort of lose weight like Steve Jobs was this quite skinny bloke and he's, he's really buff he's this. stacked in this yeah. he's, he's, know, he's just star, always yeah. stacked and so I don't know the way the way Boyle was saying and the way Fassbender says it it's sort of he turned into him and I think by the third the third story yeah he is becoming him you are feel like you, he looks more like him they've hit the same age yeah and I feel more like I'm watching Steve Jobs whereas before I did feel like I was watching an actor interpret yeah also if you put anyone in nasty white trainers and mom jeans and a mm. turtleneck. They will look like Steve Jobs. Anyone, mm. me even. And he wasn't even wearing that that day. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as, as Danny said to me, it's almost like a little reward yeah. for the audience going, oh. Yeah, you look like is. you. He's got his superhero <laughs> uniform yeah, on. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as I said, three product launches. They shot them in chronological order. Um, they'd shoot the whole scene all in one due to those Sorkin rhythms and the rhythms they found in rehearsal. So that's pretty intense. Um, doing sort of 20 takes during the day, those huge chunks of dialogue on repeat. They shot in the real auditoriums and theatres. Um, I think both two of them were the real places where the, this happened. Uh, they filmed it mostly at night, which must have been a nightmare because those auditoriums were being used during the day. Mm. Um so, but yeah, they created conditions in which they could own it and not be dominated by it. So they had a steady cam following them round, all the backstage stuff, and um, he supplemented the Sorkin speeches with footage that would sort of contradict or undermine these cutaways, which right. we'll talk about: flashbacks, flash forwards. Yeah, no flashbacks, but um. So he, this was Boyle trying to break up Aaron Sorkin's words without destroying the intention. Yeah. Uh, and they, interestingly, they had a rehearsal period between each act. So they would shoot act one for however long that took, three weeks, and then they'd have a week off to rehearse the next act. And uh, Fassbender said he really appreciated that because he got the script in December and had to start in January. Right. So that was um, a mountain. Yeah. So that's what I've got in terms of background. Lovely. Let's do the movie. Okay. Um. So we kick off with Arthur C. Clarke predicting the yeah. future. <laughs> Very accurately. Strange man. Um, that wasn't in the original script. <clears throat> okay. So uh, Danny's editor found this footage and, and Boyle said he, he, he liked starting with one of the giants on whose shoulders Jobs was standing, but it was also there to be a reminder of what computers were like yeah, and the mission Jobs was on. So 
this Steve Jobs is going to convince you that what Arthur C. Clarke's standing in front of, we will come to love so much we'll take them to bed with us. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. But that's that's the genius. Right. Act one. I love that this film is is split into three acts because that makes my job easy today. <laughs> yeah. Act one, 1984, the Macintosh launch at the Flint Auditorium in Cupertino, California, which is actually near the Apple headquarters. Right. Um, so each act of this film is shot using different kind of camera. Mm, I read that. Yep. That's so cool. Yep. And the the Daniel Pemberton, who does the score, uh, used the machinery and instruments of the time yeah. to do each score. So here we've got 16 millimeter camera. So it's gritty, this homemade sort of visual. visual. Um, and Pemberton used 1984 synthesizers to create the music and the mood. It was a CS80. Um, it's the one that Vangelis used, apparently. Oh, brilliant. So that's perfect timing. And he wanted to create electronic optimism with the score here. So yeah, this is true. I'm going to find this tricky how to talk about this because... Every character gets a moment and it's hard to skip over them because they're all interconnected. Yeah. So let's fly through what I can. Chief Engineer Andy Hertzfeld, played by Michael Stuhlberg. Um, this is the most true thing that happens in this film. Was, was Steve Jobs lost his shit with Andy Hertzfeld because he wanted the computer to say hello mm -hmm. and they couldn't get the computer to say hello. Yeah. This is what we know happened. Um, and I guess it is important. I mean, it's your it's the corollary. I always struggle to say that to your social network scene, which is establish your who is this guy, what's he like. So he's a perfectionist. We all know that, um, but it's his attention to this is so obvious to say. It's his attention. Steve Jobs' attention to detail that made Apple what it is. Yeah, he's a control freak. Kate Winslet as uh, Joanna is is correct. No one knows this can even fucking say hello, so it doesn't matter. But he knows, so it has to happen. And we are playing around with: Are we going to make Steve Jobs likable or not? And how much do the audience already know about him? For me, it's a bit difficult because I don't know that much about him. I know he's a genius mm. and I know all of that. And I know that the products are good, uh, but I don't know. I don't use them. I don't use them as much as I used Facebook and all the rest of it. So we have moments like the shaming of Andy. That's a dick move, obviously, of Steve Jobs, mm. but it gets the job done, as in mm. the computer says hello. Yep. So he was right in his way because everyone's on board with this vision and, and of his way of doing things. But Andy is such a nice guy that it is hard to watch him being bullied in that way. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to be the running theme of the film. Definitely. Uh, you said that attention to detail. He wants Shiv from Succession to turn the exit signs off. <laughs> yeah. I just finished Succession and I was I really sad. And then there she was when I was watching this. I was like, that makes me feel well, better. Well, you have to, have to, have to watch Predestination. Okay. That's her great movie role. Okay. Mm. Brilliant. And no one's seen it. It's really good. Um, but also... Uh, there's an issue with the computer because you need special tools to open it. So yeah. users can't tamper and with the computer. And that's still true now, isn't it, for Apple stuff? Like yeah, People moan about that. It's this closed system. Yeah. And so this is this big theme of the film. It's all about control. Um, Steve Jobs doesn't want the users to, to be able to control the computers. And that's alienating customers. Mm. Just like he wants control over every aspect of what's happening in his life, in his world. And so it's kind of foreshadowing here that what's going on with the computer is also what's going on in his life. And I think, you know, uh, so I know this, Mark's dad was a very early adopter of computers and collected like loads of like Sinclairs and just, and the, um, the new, was it the Newton that they get? Mm. Like, he had one at the, and he just used to like stockpile them. And he was like a teacher of computer sciences when it was like a, a, a new thing. Uh, but 
he was such an early adopter that what Steve Wozniak says to Steve Jobs, that's my experience of very early adopters is they did want to hack it and they did want to build things. They didn't want a closed system and they were the market because no one else fucking knew what it could do. Mm. So he did, when the Macintosh fails, it's kind of like, yeah, you 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 were too soon. It's It obviously all took off much later, but I totally get what Steve Wozniak is saying yeah. in this scene, which is like the people that want this stuff don't want it the way that you've done we, it. We want people to be creative on our computers and Wozniak wants them to be creative with their computers. Yeah. You can you can see both points of view. Um, so there's some issue over um, Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Um, Steve thought it was going to be him in 1982. It ended up being the computer yeah. was the Person of the Year. Um, spoiler alert, our quiz was going to be about various Time people of the year. Oh, really? Mm. Um, so yeah, do your homework. That might come up again yes! sometime. Because he's not, he, Alex he's doesn't not listen. listen. I actually listen. will. He's oh my God, listen. brilliant. Okay, scam. Uh, awesome. <laughs> and then only the audience will know when we're doing it. We can have a secret laugh. <laughs> and I could do acting, be like, oh, let me oh, think, let no. me think. Barack oh. Obama, yes! <laughs> <laughs> it was Hitler. Yeah, he won it. Um, I, it's not an answer for the quiz though. Um, um, he wants to sell none, a million units in the first 90 days. We meet, as you said, Joanna Hoffman, played by Kate Winslet. She's his head of marketing, but also I feel like she's Jiminy Cricket in this this film yeah she's his conscience yeah um she was his closest confidant by all accounts um danny boyle said they based her look on the girls from the human league <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she's saying the price point's too high the memory's not large enough uh she's the one that brings up his daughter because his wife christan's waiting for him to speak to him his daughter lisa's there She's excited because her daddy named a computer after her. Oh, it's brutal. It is. It's absolutely <laughs> brutal. It's 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 a it's a tough moment for the audience when he says to Lisa, quite not even coldly, just sort of offhand, it's a coincidence. It doesn't hmm. I didn't name it after you. What it stands for local integrated systems architecture. And she's five. And her God, that little girl does such a good job of being like, you dick. Like what a horrible, horrible thing mm-hmm. to say to a five year old. And at the same time, we find out that he told Time magazine <laughs> that twenty-eight percent of the male population could be the father of Lisa. Yes. Grim. Really, really grim. I think the difficulty here for me, which I get, you know, once you've got your eye in, it's fine, but I agree with Steve Wozniak later on because Steve Jobs is not an inventor and he's not an engineer. And, mm. but you know, he was a designer, really. And he was a marketing genius and all the rest of it, but he didn't make anything. And I agree with that. Whereas Mark Zuckerberg made something. You know that he made something. Mm. So when you're portraying him as unlikable, you're like, but, you know, at least you did this big thing. I think the trouble with Steve Jobs is that you, you know, you maybe you want to be in his skin a little bit because it's less clear what he does. He says, I play the orchestra. What the fuck does that mean? Like, that doesn't mean anything that you can hang on to. So you try and inhabit his skin and be him, but he is a deeply unlikable person. So you struggle. I struggle with that a little bit. Yeah, I was talking to Danny Boyle about how similar a director is, a movie director is to what. Yeah. And you are creating something, but you it, it, it relies on you inspiring the people around you. And in that since you're like a conductor. Yeah. And he said, look, I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs, but <laughs> there are similarities in what, you know, Wozniak's or what Jobs claimed he did and what I see our job is sometimes. Yeah. And a lot of film directors aren't very nice. No, I say you can get there by bullying or you can get mm. there by motivating, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but you mentioned was Steve Wozniak played by Seth Rogen. Um, he shows up to say good luck and request acknowledgement of the Apple II team. Which I didn't know what an Apple II is or was. So okay. I get, and I love the repetition of Steve Wozniak's request, mm. acknowledge the Apple II team. But I was like, I don't know what it is. And I don't believe ever being shown in the film. 
So I was like, I don't, ugh, what is this thing? I need, Yeah, you come needing that knowledge. A, maybe a little bit. I think maybe the film, maybe it just relies a bit too much on you knowing some stuff about Steve Jobs and about Apple. And if you don't, mm. there is certain handholding that's done, but I could have done with knowing what an Apple II is. And I did some research around this. Wozniak said he never asked for that. He never made that request, but he did feel like his team were disrespected and slighted. So there's yeah. this emotional truth to it. So that's, you know, that is Sorkin doing his job. There. Yeah. And you totally get it as a request because yes. even though I don't know what an Apple II is, I'm told repeatedly that it's the only thing making money. Apple II is what's got to the, you know, enabled Steve Jobs to get even get to the Macintosh. So I totally get it. And yeah. I totally get why Steve Jobs doesn't want to do it and why it's important to Seth Rogen's character. So Young Lisa does this abstract painting <laughs> using matte paint. <laughs> the thing is, Michael Fassbender's face, he's like, wow. And I was like, that's shit. Is but I it... guess it's how quickly she can use it. Oh, it's... is that what the thing? I think, I think that's what's happening there. It's not a good picture, but she, no one told her or showed her. Oh, I see. It's be... It right, was intuitive, yeah. intuitive that a child could yeah. use it's just like friendly. with your children and you've got an iPad or a phone and they can just use this. Yes, they can. How, how, have they, how was it programmed into their brain already? I oh, know, it's scary. You should see them trying to swipe the telly. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember when my niece was trying to swipe a book. <laughs> oh, no! It was so depressing. Oh, God, oh you poor thing. You poor thing. It doesn't even fucking do that oh. that's sick isn't it um, but it proved... but she just threw it get this away from me no, she read it like the good girl she... um, but yeah it's proving it's proving that he's right that this is the future yeah. these are our friends we just don't know it yet but this little girl yeah. can see it. you mentioned the slots argument Steve wants two for a printer and modem yep. was once eight slots he wants this open system and we got the flashback to the garage so they stopped they shot that on location in the garage no way yeah uh, the Why? job family home <laughs> because authenticity yeah. why not because you can bet all garages look the same um, they, they've got his fading polaroids uh, so they could even see where he sat with the soldering iron so okay. I like that that, that it's literally matched the photos yeah. of the day obviously they could have done that somewhere else but they got in touch with the Jobs family, who I think still own the property. And they said, yeah, come on down. Cool, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Woz wants to customise and modify. Steve says Bob didn't ask people to contribute lyrics. Yeah, I know. But he's not Bob Dylan, so... He isn't. I suppose, and also, I mean, you know more about Steve Jobs than I do, but mm. I thought he was a bit more of a hippie, and Michael Fassbender plays him quite corporate. Sure. And well, I, he was. He was in his younger days. In right. the in the garage days, he definitely was more of a hippie. And I yeah. think that's why Bob Dylan keeps coming in. He's trying to find the right Bob Dylan quote. He yeah. sees himself as that rebel protester, yeah. changing the world guy. But he's doing it through technology rather than. But yeah, he was. He was. You know, he was barefoot rather than you had Zuckerberg in flip flops. Yeah. He was famous for being barefoot on campus. What is it about these guys that don't like formal footwear? They don't like to have their toes in It's claws. a real shame Alex isn't here because we have got a scene coming That's up. That's the reason we'll he will, he'll never it. ascend to the levels of I, greatness he so desires. There's a scene coming up that I think is the reason Alex isn't here. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God, I yeah, know what you mean. It's not yet. It's not yet. So um, he complains that Hollywood made computers scary yeah. here. And so the hello is to make them friendly. But... They then discussed the Ridley Scott 1984 advert, yes. which they made, <laughs> yeah. that makes the world scary. Yeah. It makes a world of computers frightening. It says, you know, that it, they'll save the world computers, but I don't know. I was, I felt like... You can't the, have it both ways. The film contradicts itself. Yeah, there. that's true. Um, and we meet John Scully, played by Jeff Daniels with his 55 Margot. Um, <laughs> the idea with, in real life... Uh, Jobs saw him as the only person who sees the world the same as he does... Um, he knew he wasn't CEO material, so found John Scully, who could control 
uh, who he felt he could control John Scully, who could then control the board. Yes. So it was sort of a tactical decision to work with John Scully. He appreciated his marketing genius, and Scully let him be this visionary. Yeah. So, um, you know, their relationship is interesting. Unfortunately, the next two scenes with John Scully didn't happen because once they split, they never spoke again, oh, very sadly. okay. But um, yeah, so we've got him picking the Bob Dylan lyrics. There's a reference to Subterranean Homesick Blues video via the cards that he's flicking, which I think is really clever. Yeah. Um, Scully asks, why do people who are adopted feel like they are rejected rather than selected? Yeah. Which is a weird thing that comes back later. We'll talk about that at the end. I, I'm not sure I understand why this stuff's in here, but... I think it's to make you like him, isn't okay. it? Okay. To give it, cause... yeah, to give him a reason for his behaviour, I suppose. But it's, it's, I feel like it's a bit muddled. Uh, yeah, I also think it's possibly a mistake. You, you know, just have him be unlikable. Like yeah. the, the adoption thing, he's he's just been really awful to his own daughter. So you maybe you need a reason about why he would think that was acceptable, and so you sort of pull it back. And it makes him seem real and human, mm. and it gives him pain, which is always handy. I liked the adoption thing. It, it's the stuff with his dad later. I didn't get, but anyway, we'll come to that. But it's true. Is it? Yes, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, And finally, Andy Hertzfeld says that he thinks Scully is in a dangerous spot uh, being Jobs' father figure, effectively. Yeah. Which he is, because this first act ends. Rainy Day, When and Women by Bob Dylan plays. We've got news. We learn that they only sold 35,000 in the first quarter. End-to-end -end control was the big floor. Their factories are closing. Jobs is fired and then was, calls Jobs insulting and hurtful things in print mm -hmm. and on that bombshell we're taking a mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
2021 was a year like no other in European football. And 2022 promises to be even more eventful. On the Continent is your weekly guide to all the biggest stories across Europe. But what was highlighted again in this game against Malmo was just how desperately that team needs something different up front. Alvaro Morata is not right now the number nine they need, and I don't think Moise Kenny is either. We're joined by the best European football experts to get to the bottom of the stories at the top of your newsfeed. I think Real Madrid is a very logical place for him to go. And if you want that to be an option, it's not a bad idea to make Real Madrid think that you might go to Barcelona. <laughs> but from Holland's side of it, it's very beneficial that uh, Barcelona are at least pretending they can afford him. Come join us every Thursday on Football Ramble Presents. Football Ramble Presents is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. And we're back with Act 2, 1988. It's the next launch at the Opera House in San Francisco. <clears throat> yep. We're in 35 millimetres. The music is operatic. He wanted a, a ball, wanted a, a, a piece built that sounded like an orchestra tuning up, then turning into music. The th- space is more theatrical, and this is a more theatrical story. There's drama, there's comedy, there's mm-hmm. tragedy. There's more going on in this one. He's designed the Black Cube for the education market uh, through um, his new company Next. Scullion was a there. Um, they also have to be suing him. Yeah. They're there to watch him fail. Yeah. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense. And as we said, they weren't there. So neither yeah. of those people were there. But I was, might have been. Scully definitely wasn't. Um, but obviously, we want to have the second interaction between all these characters. So the daughter's being a bit precocious regarding computers. She's trying to connect with her dad. She's asking questions that she's asked before. I noticed here that in the background, you hear that Lisa needs a payphone. I thought, oh, is that, are they seeding something there that Jobs could hear something like that in the background? Right, okay. And, you know, he's, and then years guy, later. Yeah, got yeah. the iPhone. That's because a fun because idea. why would you have someone needing a payphone? That's such a good idea, mm. yeah. Good writing. Um, so, what do you think about the scene where Woz is showing Jobs his watch? Oh, I loved it. Okay. Why did I love it though? But I did love it. <laughs> well, because of the Apple. What you've got one on, haven't you? What is oh, that? I have an uh, Apple Watch. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I'm such a fucking mum. An Apple Watch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I loved it for that because the sort of foreshadowing of the tech that was gonna be. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, but the, yeah, why do you ask? Because it's just something funny. It is copied and pasted almost exactly from a 2009 video with some young bloke where Was is showing this kid his Nixie tube watch and saying how funny it is when he changes the time on a plane and people think he's got a bomb. <laughs> it's a mental thing for him to find humour in. Yeah. But he, it's exactly the same. And they just literally lifted that and gave those same words. That's good work, isn't it? To, to Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this moment of colour that's sort of out of nowhere. Yeah. But yeah, his watch looks exactly like that and it's a bit insane. Yeah, it is. It's a bad <laughs> idea, but it is fun. It is fun. I'll post that video as well on, on, on our uh, Twitter. But... um. Yeah, they start arguing properly here. You know, uh, Jobs tells him he's got a free pass for life, and yeah. and 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 um, Woz gets upset. He finds him condescending, and um, yeah, this is when I was going to talk about. We, we, we've already done it, but Boyle seeing himself in um, Steve Jobs, but also Seth Rogen sees himself in Steve Wozniak. He said, "I'm always the second getting, fiddle, yeah. yeah, or getting underestimated for being nice, yeah." Or people thinking you can't be nice and be clever. 
Yeah. And so he said, I, he said, I felt like Woz was a good role for me. And I think he does a good job. I think one of the first times you saw him in a truly dramatic part. Yeah. And I buy him. Yeah, me, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, but then that's because <laughs> you think of Seth Rogen as playing like second fiddle and, and so he's perfect for mm. the role where he does slight gripe. Doesn't he say you can be decent and gifted, but you should say you can be gifted and decent. Aaron Sorkin, if you're listening, which you definitely are. Sorry. Um, yeah, so, but the one thing I wanted to talk about in this section was, what did you think of the bit where he threatens Chris Ann? Because Lisa's told him, although you don't see it, that her mum has thrown a cereal bowl at her head. And you just, they're having their interaction, they're bartering for money, which is, mm. this, the, you know, their running theme. And all of a sudden, Steve Jobs says to his ex-wife or ex-partner... I have you killed. He basically says, but just really matter of fact, I know people. And at first, yeah. when he says it, you're like, you're not saying what I think you're saying. And she looks as surprised as you feel because like, I know people is a pseudo threat for I know mm. gangsters. And then he says, and it's amazingly well written, but it's cold as you like, where he's like, I know people. And if you throw a cereal bowl at Lisa's head again, they will ring me up and tell me. And that's how I'll know you're dead, mm. <laughs> is what he says to her. And she's like, what the fuck is this? Which is an understandable reaction. But I I mean, I get that he, I don't know if he really did that. I understand this cruel, you know, the cruelty that he was supposed to have. But that is a really, really tough moment on, on your journey with this man. Because as a parent, he's a shit parent. And kids in split up parents are always telling the other one they want to come and live with them. It doesn't mean that her mum did throw a cereal ball at her head. And also, he as he's an absent dad. He doesn't really have the uh, moral high ground to even make a judgment, let alone, is he actually saying he'll have her killed? I mean, it's, the it, second, I found the it The first hard. time, so I haven't watched it since it came out and I watched it twice this week. The first time, I believed him. The second time, I thought he wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. I thought he was messing with her yeah, a little bit. Um, but she, would she believe him? Because her thing is, you're insanely wealthy and I'm not. So does it matter if he thinks he's joking, mm. if she doesn't think he's joking? And the way she reacts, Chrisanne, is like, I won't do it again. And she sort of fesses. She's like, I didn't throw a ball at her head. But, you know, a lot of stuff happens raising children. It's, it's a weird story beat. It makes you think that it's true. Otherwise, it's a it's a yeah, dark a good thing point. to make yeah. up about someone. Yeah. But is it true? He's only spoken to Chris Ann, yeah. Aaron Sorkin. He hasn't spoken to Steve Jobs. Yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah. Um, you've brushed past uh, Steve Jobs washing his feet in the toilet. Oh, God, yeah. So that's I, why Alex isn't here today. I don't... I, it's the one of the most incredible things I've ever seen because I thought... I don't know why. I suppose because of my thing with the complementary and alternative medicine thing, I thought he might be a little bit of a not a clean freak but just would know what was good for him <laughs> on a very basic well, level and unless that toilet is fucking spotless which it isn't what are you doing? Well Danny Boyle on the commentary said British filmmakers always have a scene in a toilet Okay I don't know if that's true him. or not but he's, <laughs> he's obviously a fan um, <laughs> yeah. and he said yeah we were inspired by stories that he actually did this Why would so he do it? supposedly based in reality I understand you wanted to I mean with It did make me Alex. question how dirty toilet water is Toilet, I've always no. thought it's dirty, but no. In the, now, let's just do this for two seconds. In yeah. this country, yes, I meant in this country. In this country, it's fresh water, which is a mad waste because you could use rain runoff or you could use the stuff that would like dirty mm. water because you don't need it to be clean. But it is clean. And I once read about a little girl whose mum like passed out because of medical issues, and she survived. She was only three, and she survived by drinking water from the toilet because it's clean. I mean, the toilet's dirty, but the water's clean, so she was fine. Mm. And in other countries, they do use rain runoff and, mm. you know, whatever, because it makes no sense. 
But I understand wanting to have cold feet because it is quite enervating. But toilet water. Invigorating. Invigorating. Mm. But also, he was a, a, a practitioner of yoga. And so he could definitely put a foot in a sink. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Mm. It's mind-blowing. And therefore good. Yes. And it's a genuine shame. Um Alex isn't here. <laughs> um, he's got the article, this hypothetical uh, story of him, uh, Apple buying next and Jobs becoming the CEO of Apple. That's the real article that he's holding there. They right. got hold of a copy of it. And because Joanna doesn't understand what the plan is, he seems to be launching a product that he knows is going to fail. Yeah. And it is interesting. There's sort of, you're trying to understand, is something Machiavellian happening here? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we've got Lisa listening to her personal stereo. So yeah. we're seeding stuff here. Um, and then Scully. Scully has a big moment mm. with Jobs um, in that corridor. This was originally supposed to be in the dressing room and then Boyle was wandering around and just found this corridor with tables on chairs. Yeah. And it does look very dramatic. It looks dramatic, but it does make you wonder how long John Scully is supposed to have sat there and hoped that Steve Jobs would walk past <laughs> That's him. funny. That's funny. <laughs> You're not supposed to think things like that. <laughs> Uh, he wants to know why people think he fired Steve. And we get some flashbacks to um, Jobs at home in his Los Gatos house, um, which they found the real house. It's not sort of listed. People don't know, but one of the production people figured it out and knocked on the door oh, and they wow. said, yeah, you can film here. Just we don't want people knowing where it is. Yeah. But um, and they made it look like the house looked because he didn't have any furniture because he was so obsessed with design. Mm. It was too stressful for him to think about it. So he's better off having nothing than trying to figure out what should go where. That's amazing. Um, but the row that Scully and Jobs have here, I think this is when the film sort of goes up into high gear. They're rowing now about rowing then. Yeah. And it feels like Fassbender's possessing the character. This is when you get that raw intensity yeah. of, of him as an actor. That, that, passion that he's got in the past versus this sort of cold fury is yeah. what I called it in the present. He's yeah. frightening and 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 Jeff Daniels goes toe to toe with him and then he seems terrified of him because um you know he said that he's gonna force him out and he's gonna he's gonna watch him do it. He's not I'm not gonna force you out. I'm gonna watch you do it to yourself and I'm gonna drink a Margo while while watching. Yeah it's a brilliant scene. It's just the direction is incredible. I mean obviously it just all comes together but it's that Aaron Sorkin thing where you and obviously massively enabled by the way Danny Ball uses the cuts, your brain is like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You've been watching quite a linear thing yep. and then all of a sudden you've got to engage again in the way that you have to with the social network mm -hmm. from the get-go to un to fully understand what's happening. And and they flash back to the boardroom where where um, Jobs is forced out and it didn't look like that at the boardroom. And I was laughing in that scene because it's so dramatic with the rain cascading down outside <laughs> and then it's reflected yeah. on the walls and it's like this huge gothic room. It looks Bo like Batman. Yeah. yeah. And Bowles said, yeah, look nothing like that. That no. was complete dramatic license. We thought it would look cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, revenge, revenge is this dish that he's going to serve cold. And that's when he says, that's what men do. Yeah. But I believe I, I, I'm sure that that's something that was says to him earlier. It so is, it's yeah. it's him stealing stuff. Like I think it's talking. It's it's showing us that. I just thought they had this little buddy catchphrase because Steve right. Wozniak does say it to him. That's I just what felt do. like it was him manipulating Woz's words for his own ends. Oh, okay. That he doesn't even like. Does he agree with Woz? Does he not agree with Woz? I don't know. I don't think he registers it on that emotional level. No. Fair enough. But we learn that Steve has figured out what Apple needs. He's built his Steve Jobs revenge machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he tells this story, which is, you know, this is very Daddy Ball. 
And as he's telling the story, it's projected onto the wall behind him. I thought that looked good. Yeah, the story of Skylab about this thing that was sent into the into space and they'd come up with a, an idea while it was up there to bring it down and they never came up with it. And sort of, he's talking about Apple has stopped innovating and Boyle said he's trying to make the point that Steve Jobs wasn't just, one of his skills was being a great storyteller. Yeah. And that's something we learned over the product yeah. launches. And yeah. so this was just showing him you know, controlling the narrative. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they're going to need his OS. Mm-hmm. End of Act 2. Um, we get some more news flashes. Um, couldn't justify the high cost of Next. Sold to Canon. Laid off his staff. Apple fell on hard times. They were laying people off. Losing market share. Scully's handheld Newton flops. He's fired. Simpsons are spoofing that. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates gets his cameo where he mentions the internet. Um, Apple purchases Next OS and Steve Jobs is back. Mm-hmm. Act three, uh, which we're going to, having just heard Don't Look Back at the Sun by Libertines, I love that song. Uh, 1998, the iMac launch at the Davis um, Symphony Hall. Uh, This is shot on a modern digital camera. It's sparse, it's elegant, it's beautiful. In Danny Ball's eyes, it's supposed to look like the products. And you could create music in a computer by that time. So that's how they crafted the music. But it was also really hard to create music in a computer at that time. And so Daniel Pemberton's (laughs) having to do that rather than use a computer now to sound like that. So, um, And now, as we've said, Steve Jobs is wearing the Steve Jobs costume, even though he didn't (laughs) wear that on that day. But the age is right. Fassbender's, you know, getting to the right age. The glasses are working. He's turning into him. And so we see him rehearsing. And his young acolytes are in the audience and yeah. and they're sort of hanging on his every word. And Danny Boyle said that was him trying to acknowledge um, Apple stores, the Apple store employees who oh, are these okay. acolytes, these young people who really worship at the altar of Apple. Yeah. And so he wanted to put them in the audience, even though Apple stores didn't exist yet. Yeah. And also it's the time of... Steve Jobs is the person. Bill Gates hasn't done it because Bill Gates is just such a geek and also keeps him... not. I mean, he doesn't keep himself to himself, but... He doesn't seem to fuel the sort of the myth making and the yeah. legend stuff as much as Steve Jobs did, and and clearly enjoyed doing, and liked being on his own, strictly on his own terms, a celebrity in that way, and so liked the adoration and liked to be a guru and liked to be mm. thought, and also liked to be unpredictable and unknowable and all those other things because that helps fuel legends. Like, what was he really like? Which we are still talking about. Yep, ego. He won't really be with Bill Gates. He just seems like, even though he's not, he seems like quite a normal man. But he he clearly isn't. But he doesn't add to that sort of pile of like I wonder kind mm. of thing. Yeah, he doesn't wear a costume. N- no, he doesn't wear a superhero uniform. <laughs> Even though he's basically ended malaria. Sidebar, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, wasn't Andy in the audience? We reveal the machine, um, the iMac. Yeah, it's amazing. Funny. Yeah, it, it looks so clunky. It now. Does, no, it's funny because when so I always had like a big old desktop computer with windows and all the rest of it and the first time i went to work for a tv company and i was like i'm gonna make it and they had that blue that gorgeous Mm. thing and i was like shit because i got the job and i'd said i know how to use one and i don't and i was like well how hard can it be i know how to use windows and for ages i was like oh and a friend i've still got now 20 million years later is because i was like i am dying if they find out i can't use this mac i'm in big trouble she's like i will show you how to use a mac mm. but it it wasn't it's tricky yeah it's not as intuitive as i think he thinks it is or was <laughs> oh no you're going to have people upset with you now <laughs> oh i know i know it's just <laughs> also i'm quite a stupid person <laughs> <laughs> but it does look chunky and clunky but it also looks 
awesome. It looks cute and fun and cool. And you could get them in a range of colours. It's a good idea. And Shiv's got the exit lights off, so... Which is dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Joanna told Kate Winslet when they were meeting that Steve Jobs did ask her why they'd not slept together. Yeah, and I she can said, believe we're that. not in love. And so that's you it's nice the collaborative, you know, she never told that to Aaron Sorkin, but then Kate Winslet told Aaron Sorkin and that's how it ended up in the script. Yeah, it's nice. It's a good um one. so And yeah. you believe it as well. Like Yeah. I'll come back to this, but Joanna is it's hard for me because it's Kate Winslet, and to me, Kate Winslet will always be a bigger deal, no offense, than Michael Fassbender, because that's Kate Winslet, and that's she's major to me. And star power for me. She's bigger than him. Yes, she is. Um, and so for her playing this supporting role, I kind of projected a lot of expectations onto that. The, the why aren't we sleeping together moment, I thought would be a big, big moment. I believe her when she's what, the reason and I yep. totally buy their relationship. Yep, yep. But I thought it Work would wife. be... Yeah, yeah, which is fine. I just thought that it would be a bit more explosive because I thought she'd get a bit of heft kind of thing. Yeah. So he's finding out that this thing is going to sell. They know that this is already a success even before it's launched. He's doing yoga. While he's having that discussion, that was unscripted improvised from Fassbender. She was sure. quite surprised when he went down. Um, <laughs> Always. <laughs> but she is obsessed with this one thing, make everything all right with Lisa. Yeah. Um, and as I said, Sor- that's when Sorkin knew he had a film. It was all about Lisa and Steve's relationship. Um, what we don't get here is by this time, Steve Jobs has a new family oh, with children and stuff. So okay. leaving all that stuff out because this is not what that story is about. Yeah. The key is um, Lisa. He's upset that Lisa didn't voice an objection against um, Chris Ann when she sold the house. Which is really petty. But that's a good thing because that, excuse me, that humanises him. Like, his reason for freezing Lisa out and not paying her tuition is a petty argument over a house that means nothing to him, is worth nothing to him, and is Chris Ann's house. And he's using his daughter as a pawn in that, which is pathetic and law. And is a real thing that people do when they're in an acrimonious relationship. Yeah, it all gets very emotional here. It's quite weird when Andy Hertzfeld, we've learned that he paid the tuition. Yeah, but um, all I thought was, God, you must have made so much money. Yes. First was like, Apple must pay you lots. And also, fucking how much is it to go to Harvard? Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he said some things that seem out of order. Somebody had to act like they were her father. Um, he said she needed a strong male role model. It's all a bit on the nose, It's a I little think. bit on the nose. And also... Yeah, Steve Jobs says to Andy Hertzfeld, did you say she needed a strong male role model? And he's like, I did say that. And he's like, do you mean you or do you mean the therapist? Because if you mean the therapist, I think that crosses a professional boundary, yes. like go and buy a strong male role yeah. model. But if you mean you, then fine. Yeah. I think the Aaron Sorkin-esque touches, which have happened a bit throughout this script, yeah, with the misunderstanding of uh, ambiguous meanings of language. So when, mm. uh, and it's so brilliant, when Andy Hertzfeld says to Steve Jobs, you threaten me. And he's like, well, people that are talented do sometimes threaten people that are not talented. And he's like, no, you literally threaten mm. me. That is brilliant. Mm. I love that. Yeah, and I like it when Andy says, I always disliked you. Yeah, awesome. And Steve says, I always liked you. Yeah, And we're like, so what? That's a, it's also, it's think, very Sorkin, isn't yeah. it? But also, I don't know, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, it's brilliant. But also think about how many times in... Uh, the social network that Mark Zuckerberg gets called an arsehole by characters. It happens more than once. Mm. It happens by his friends. No one seems afraid to say to him, you are terrible. Whereas people are tiptoeing around Steve Jobs quite a lot. Like yeah. even when Joanna is saying, go and make everything right with Lisa, she doesn't say, you fucking dick, like you deadbeat dad, sort it out. She's like, be the best you you can be. And not that, but effectively, mm. the best thing about you should be you as a father. She doesn't really tell him off. It's a big moment for her. But why is everyone so afraid of him? Like, why doesn't anyone say to him, stop acting like this? Yeah, 
I agree. Um, the journalist is back for the third time. I've not mentioned him because yeah. he's a bit of an irrelevance. Also, because Steve Jobs says, this is the third time. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, shit, so it is. <laughs> but another thing that I wouldn't have noticed was I'm not listening to Danny Boyle's commentary. Um, he's looking at a book. Uh, the, this, uh, the journalist Joel is when Steve walks in the room and it's a book of storyboards. Right. Uh, of a cartoon. Right. So that oh represents. Oh my God, it's a Toy Story. It's Pixar. That's awesome. So, so Danny Ball says three times, it's not Toy Story. None of those illustrations are from anything <laughs> Pixar or Disney have made. But that's representative of the fact that he's. Oh, I see. It, it, Pixar's happening. Legal, legal. <laughs> um, so, uh, and we've got this huge scene between Woz and. Um, Jobs, uh, in front of everyone in the auditorium. This was in the dressing room as Sorkin wrote it and yeah. Boyle said, let's get it in the auditorium. Great idea to have all people reacting to it. Brilliant, I think it makes yeah. it much more dramatic. He still wants acknowledgement for the Apple II Whatever team. that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as sort of Jobs points out, stuff went to shit when you guys were in charge. You yeah. know, it was crap. We were, in, we were 90 days from insolvency. I saved everything. He's tired of being Ringo when he knows he was John. That's what Was says. Um, and that, and that's, you know, again, this is what Seth Rogen was saying is why he felt like the role was good for him because he's felt like that yeah. Ringo uh, character. Uh, I like this line. Acknowledge that something good happened that you weren't in the room for. Yeah, that's brilliant. Because I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a disaster without me. Um, <laughs> uh, but in, again, a nice Sorkin moment. There's not in every single scene, in every interaction, Jobs has had the last word. This is finally a moment where someone else is allowed to have the last word. And it's Wozniak saying it's not binary. You can be decent and gifted at the same time. Yeah, perfect. Or gifted and decent. Gifted and decent. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, because Steve Jobs' thing is that he's gifted but not decent. So if you're trying to, but if you're trying to say to someone like that, you can right. be both. You'd lead with the thing you already mm. are, and then you'd add on the thing you should be. So you'd say to him, you can be gifted and decent. You are gifted. You should be decent. And so you, you don't need to say those words. If I can't believe I'd love talking about stuff like this. I'm dully aware it might be boring. But if you say you can be decent and gifted, he isn't decent. So you don't lead with that. I wouldn't do that. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree. I agree with you. You, you are You are better than, <laughs> than Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. Finally, thank you. Uh, but as Danny Boyle said, that line is the reason this film is a humanist drama. Um so we learn about the risk, what's it called? The reality distortion field. And we learned that that Time magazine, the cover had actually been created months before, meaning Steve was never going to be Time's man of the year, meaning he was completely wrong, but he can distort reality to whatever he believes at any time. Yeah. Ably assisted by someone who doesn't tell him that at the fucking time. Like she's waited like fourteen years. <laughs> Hasn't she said? Didn't she say she's just found out? Or, right. Or yeah. Do you think she's kept that secret? <laughs> I think she's held on to it. So, uh, Scully shows up. We we get their reconciliation. It's sort of redemption for Steve. None of this happened. But, no. Um, symbolic, and we get that flashback. A to to Jobs pitching Scully, calling the computer the bicycle for the mind. But this stuff with the adoption. So he takes Scully to a restaurant where his dad works, mm. or his dad owns. So apparently, Steve Jobs, his birth dad, he never, um, his birth dad didn't know that he had this son. Oh, okay. And Steve Jobs found out, I hope I'm right here. You can check yeah, yeah. on Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs found out who his dad was and he would go and eat at the restaurant mm -hmm. where his dad worked, but he never told him. Right, okay. It's weird. I missed it because the script is pushing me towards John Scully as a father figure and then I've gone into like hyperdrive and read 
John Scully literally is my dad. Agreed, because that's how they time it. Yeah. They don't explain it properly. Yeah. I had to Google this. So that's what you. Th- that's what I thought. That is what I thought. No, Cause he's, cause it's he's... the guy in the restaurant yeah. is the dad. Because... And that's why Scully looks shocked, but not as shocked as he would be <laughs> if, he's, if he was his dad. <laughs> that's what I thought. We're, like about, a... we're similar ages. Because this also, it's a hokey line in dramas that use adoption because, or anything, the hokey line would be, you've already met him when you look in the mirror or whatever and, and he says you've already met him and then John Scully's face is like what? so you're like oh fuck how does that work? and then it's almost comical that it's the man in the 100%, restaurant 100% yeah you need to know yeah because his background is mad like he was put up for adoption um, and a lawyer couple took him yeah. and then gave him back after a month and also not to be rude John Scully's like you were one month old there's nothing you could have done like, <laughs> there, def- there is <laughs> And then another couple adopted him, but his birth mother didn't want them to have him because her demands were wealthy, well-educated and Catholic, and this family wasn't. Yeah. So she had him for a year until he went back to this couple after no legal wrangling. Yeah, and she said she didn't love him. She she couldn't love him because she thought he might be going away. And then he ended up going to this couple, who are his parents, who he loves. You so know, his he, birth mum kept him for a year? I th- yeah, so, I think so. But so didn't when... love him just in case. She was saying she can't, he can't. The, the courts were saying, no, this, these people have adopted him. Wow. It's, it's, it's such a mess. But that's why um, Scully then says, I'm the guy who fired Steve Jobs, rich, college educated and Catholic. Yeah. So it's, it's a callback to the parents. Yeah. But what is it saying? Like that, that you can be those things and you can still be a dickhead or you, he fulfilled yes, the Yes, 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 yes. Oh, it didn't okay. matter. It didn't, okay. it didn't matter that I'm rich. The oh, mother was see, wrong. The mother right. was wrong. And he was better off with those parents. So I see. the right. parents he ended up with who were none of those things were better gave than, him a yeah. lovely life. And yeah. he's always said that. Okay. But Thank it's you. a bit of a mess. Go and read it on Wikipedia or wherever cause it is a, or, or in this book. It's really complicated, but I was. It was fascinating, and I guess that's why it's here. It's just, it's just explored in a couple of sentences, and so it's hard to comprehend what they're saying. Yeah, because it's obviously important it's to the story. It's there as the ballast as well. Like you, uh, I read this thing with Danny Boyle. So again, I hope this is not. I've not misremembered. Steve Jobs's birth parents were twenty three when they had him, and then he's twenty three or twenty one, whatever it is. But he's mm. the same age. When Lisa comes into his life, he's the same age as his parents were when he came into their life. And so it's there as this sort of counterweight mm. to um, his treatment of his daughter, which is piss poor. Yeah. And then he's fine kind of thing, but still not great. Yeah. And, and Lisa then comes into the picture now, grown up. And we sort of get this emotional heart of the film where they're sort of rowing. And she says that, you know, he did this equation to try and prove that. He wasn't the father and she did an equation to prime prove that he yeah, it's was. It's awful, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but, but it's great because he sees himself as this heroic figure challenging convention and she just sees him, as she said, as a, as a coward. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal it's, for this. And it, yeah, this... it happens at the right... Because it's the Andy Hertzfeld scene where it's like, she, it's so good, it's so well written. Mm. She has no reason to be nice, but she is. And that's what he says about Lisa. Like she could have been such a nightmare. She's got every right to be a total mess. Yeah. And she isn't. She's lovely. And that's got nothing to do with you, Steve Jobs, because you've you've barely raised her. Yeah. And so take the time to get to know her and all the rest of it. And so the, when she delivers that, you've been told by Andy Hertzfeld she's a nice girl, which is kind of important. She's you know she's not just saying it to score points. She's telling him the truth. And it's 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 brilliant. Yeah. He fo- so he follows her onto a roof that didn't actually exist on top of that building. <laughs> <laughs> he admits the computer was named after her. He says, "I'm poorly made." Oh. Because that's how he feel sees sorry the for world. Me. <laughs> um, she says, "You're going to be late." Or Joanna does. He says, "I don't care." Such a bluff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the first time because time is. Bi- no, it's supposed to. It's supposed to matter here, though, isn't it? Because the whole point is 
the first two times, that's all he's cared about. Whereas yeah. this time, he wants to see her essay. No, he's lying. He's calling her bluff. He's lying. He's scoring emotional points because he knows she would never let him be late. And then all he can reach out with is technology. So when she's walking away, yeah. he tells her about the, I'm going to put music in your pocket. Oh, you've got a kind of reading. That, that's yeah. so true. But I, I don't like it in films where they project, like they give you a bit of a wink and they're like, oh, no, well, sure. look, we're going to invent the iPhone. It's a wink. But also I think he's he wants something to connect with her on. That's true. And all he can think of is something technical. It, it's not love. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not something. Or it's love, but his love was for his his products, not his people. Yeah. yeah, and it's a very parent thing to do that you can't quite say what you mean. So you sort of you know connect with an interest of theirs, and yeah. it would have been even more brutal. She'd be like, she she she's quite nice to him because she's a generous person. So when he says, "I'll you know I'll put a thousand songs in your pocket." And she looks at him, she's like, oh, can you do that? But, you know, a normal teenager would be like, I don't give a shit. Like, I like my Walkman. Could you try and be a nice dad? Bye. What are you talking about? Yeah. You'll do, you'll I'm do one, what? I'm not wearing massive trousers. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know a thousand songs. I'm not interested. Um, so Lisa agrees to come down and watch him from backstage and he's got the print out from when she was a kid. Is the, now, is her drawing the iMac? You know, it's got like a bulbous shape. At first I thought it was the United States of America. And then I was like, no, it's just a five-year-old scribble. It doesn't matter what it is. And then I was like, is it the actual housing? Oh, I of... thought it was a scribble. Okay. But I could be wrong. No, I don't think I'm right. I just wondered. Okay. Um, and they have a moment and then the music starts coming up. It's a Maccabee song, Grew Up at Midnight. Oh. Um, and it sort of ends with this, you know, on this this note of, of this has been a story about a girl who has lost her father. Yeah. Um, and Shelter from the Storm starts playing by Bob Dylan. It's <laughs> it's it's mad, really, mm, but mm. Uh, ballsy. I think it is a ballsy move. I agree with you. Maybe for a different reason, which is that he is now becoming un- he's now becoming likable because he can connect with his daughter. Sure, but I think maybe leave him unlikable because most people, all he's done is literally acknowledge the existence of his daughter, mm. kind of thing. And most people are capable of doing that. So you're you're suddenly reaching for empathy. You're mining, rather, for empathy at the very last moment for you to go, oh, he's just like me. But it's right at the last moment. And he's, the, what he's doing is quite basic. But, but yeah, I think, I think, again, I think it's symbolic. So this moment probably didn't happen with Lisa, but everyone agrees that he became a nicer person over the course of his life. Okay. And John Scully says Steve Jobs was much nicer than he's portrayed in that film. John right. Scully, his yeah. enemy. Okay. Um, Ed Catmull, who runs uh, Pixar, Disney Animation, he said the real Jobs was much kinder, especially when he returned to Apple. He'd gone on this hero's journey and he'd learned the right lessons. So I think there's some truth in this, that he was a different person or he did change over time. Yeah. And so it might have been doing you know, the story of the service to end it with him being awful, a complete so. arsehole because yeah. he, he wasn't. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's the end of the story. So this was not a success. It cost thirty million to make, and it grossed thirty-four million. Oof. Um, and to put that in perspective, the Ashton Kutcher movie Jobs uh, cost twelve million and made forty-two million. Right. I've seen that. I saw that years ago. It's it's better than you'd expect. It's yeah. quite good. And Ashton Kutcher is actually a good Steve Jobs, I think. Yeah. Um, but that's much more basic biopic. So this is trying something different. Uh, and it's interesting, Aaron Sorkin was asked about just comparing himself to Steve Jobs. Okay. Or someone asked him about this, and he said, um, I try to do what I do without being as cruel as Steve, but if Steve Jobs heard me say that, he'd say his stuff is better than mine, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a really good line. <laughs> so we're done. 
Perfect. Uh, let's do the bits, starting with um, uh, what's your favourite scene, Vicky? I did find this a little bit hard because I think they're all meant to be the same. Um, but I think the scene with uh, Jeff Daniels and looking at the forcing of the vote and why Steve Jobs had to leave Apple and with the rain on the window that we talked about. But when we start cutting back and forth, and we're arguing about an argument and you're trying to keep track of who might be telling the truth and all the rest of it. Um, I just thought it was it was like a dance, you know, because you and you really had to like sit up and pay attention. And so I think that's the best scene. Mm. I'm the same. Oh, good. I'm the same. I mean, it's the scene I said I found hilarious, but also kind of exciting, exhilarating. And then I've just realised it's the same as the one I picked for Social Network, the scene where Dorado gets forced out. Oh, scene yeah. with, so maybe... You like a boardroom just drama. Picked, well, yeah, well, it's the most dramatic scene in both films, I yes. think, probably. So that's... I mean, I've gone quite basic. Uh, who's your most valuable whatever? Well, I mean, a big shout out for the 1984 Super Bowl ad because it's still brilliant, the mm. Ridley Scott ad. But uh, Michael Stuhlbarger's Andy Herzfeld, ah. he steals it from me because... He does stand up to Steve Jobs, which I really wanted someone to, someone who's not as invested in the man, the myth, the legend. Mm. I wanted someone to say, actually, you know, take a look at yourself kind of thing. And when he tells him he doesn't like him, that it is a brilliant moment. It is brutal. And the way he talks about Lisa and just serving as a really lovely emotional counterweight to the, the coldness of Steve Jobs. I just think he's really good in that role. He's really good. Yeah. So, yeah, him. I'm going... Because um, I think it would be stupid if I didn't this week, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Because I just think it's a really uh, fun, interesting way to approach this. It's It backfired, I think, commercially. I think people were not interested in this approach to the story. Yeah. And I think if he'd gone another route, which I might get to, it might have been a bigger hit. But, mm. you know, I thought this was a fantastic um, three-act movie. Yeah. And what would you change? This is really straightforward and it's cheesy as all hell, but there we are. So given that Joanna, Steve Wozniak and Andy Hertzfeld and John Scully, this recurring uh, ensemble cast in this triptych, unless I missed it, do they not get an end a title card that says, and they did this, and they did this, and they did this? Because their story ends when Steve Jobs' mm. story ends, which is probably very fitting because it's about him. Mm. But I really wanted, I just needed a little bit of narrative resolution about whether it was invented or not. A cheesy title card with them freeze frame laughing. Joanna went on to whatever and got a wicked haircut. Blah de blah de blah and joined the human league. Whatever. <laughs> um, just to bring it all back round to me and not to have the full ego thing of like they without Steve Jobs, their lives don't exist, kind of thing. That's it. It's really straightforward. Okay. You can Google that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so my change, I'm not changing anything about this film. I really like it, but um, I'm going to tell you how this could have been a hit. Make it a play. No, make it, call it the rivalry and make it about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Okay. It, you know, he chose to totally ignore that rivalry, but I think it's so fascinating. There's some great footage of the two of them together talking. They were friends. They were enemies. I just think that's how you make this story sing for an audience. Yeah. Um, but he didn't want to tell that story, so it's hard, isn't it? You, you know, you're trying to get. I mean, it's 2015, so it's different times. But imagine the poster for it now, and you've got two old, rich, white dudes. You'd be like, oh, I don't care, like about who came out on top. You both did, so. But no one cared about this. No, I'm just that's trying to true, figure yeah. out how to make people care about this story. It's hard, isn't it? Because the poster tries to make you care because it's an imitation job. Because you're like, wow, it looks just like him, and that's not what the film is. And the Social Network made you care about Mark Zuckerberg versus Eduardo Severin, who are true, yeah, and you never knew anything about him, no. yeah. 
So, uh, that's it. We're done. Okay. The verdict. Well done. Well done to you. Thanks. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Um, uh, Vicky, you go first. Okay. Um, so, as our listener, Andrew Logan, said, the triptych structure of Steve Jobs is lots of fun. And the, you know, tying things to the three product launches. And I do think that Danny Boyle has been underrated in what he did to bring it to life and kind of take it out of the room a bit, because obviously it is literally stuck in a room. Um, I think Michael Fassbender did make me care about Steve Jobs, who I didn't really know anything about. Um, But equally, Jesse Eisenberg is excellent as the replicant that I believe Mark Zuckerberg to be. Um, So I think it comes down to the script. So the script to social network, the pace, the verbiage, uh, it's uplifting. It's inspiring. If you ever want to write anything, it is an inspirational thing to watch and just to soak it in and just be like, soak it up rather. Like, God, imagine if you could do anything near that. It would. How amazing would that be? Um, and I think with Social Network, you don't need to care about the source material that much and the elements still come together in a really good way. And I think that Steve Jobs does ride a bit too much on, like I said before, the man, the myth, the legend. You need to know certain things going in or care about certain things. So, um, and you know, my interest with tech personally, I do like an origin story. I, I don't really care what it means to the person who made the tech. I care about how we got to where we are. So for that reason, it is the social network. One vote for the social network. <laughs> yeah. um, I asked Alex what he was voting for. He took quite a while to get back to me. And then asked him why. He took even longer. You've got to send a reason. Team, we've got to send a reason when we do this. Because otherwise, if, especially if it goes down to your vote. So he said... Um, I think Michael Fassbender is nothing short of phenomenal in Steve Jobs. And that sways a very close one for me, Steve Jobs. Okay. Um, he reckons if more than seven people had seen Steve Jobs at the cinema, I think it could have <laughs> been a massive moment for him. Yeah. So it's 1-1. One, one. Uh-oh. And I'm going for the social network. Yay! Thank God! <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to create some jeopardy, <laughs> which is why I read him out before mine, because I knew where I was going. So, was I? Because I, I know you hate it, especially when Alex isn't here, so there's just two of us. And the jeopardy is, is less, maybe. But I just love the social network so much. Yes, <laughs> like, I do. And I want to say why, though, because the first time I watched it, it was with sort of fascination. But this elation, this exciting thing, it felt like it belonged to us, Facebook. Yeah. It almost felt like a Robin Hood story to me where yeah. it's, it's new it's new tech taken away from this old school money. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably the wrong message that I was taking from it when I watched it all that long ago. And I didn't realise at the time that it's a monster movie. Facebook is the monster. Mm-hmm. Zuckerberg's the evil genius behind it. And also, I think more watching it this time is it's it, it starts by a young, angry, repressed white dude yes. trolling. Yeah, and that didn't seem to be the most important aspect of it when I watched it then. But Sorkin saw something, and it feels really prescient and really mm. profound. So I think now it is a better film. Yeah, whether he could see that coming or not, it's about this other thing yeah, as well. Definitely, and it's. It's so rewarding watching it 11 years later. And, Facebook, and depressing, and yeah. depressing. So this thing I watch with excitement, I now watch with real... Foreboding. Yeah, yeah, it's real sadness. Because Facebook wasn't always evil. No. And doesn't believe it currently is evil. And Mark Zuckerberg was just a just genius kid. And it's sort of a story of like how absolute power corrupts absolutely and all the yeah. rest of it. Except you don't. he's not even on this level, this plane. To be, I don't even know if he enjoys the power. He just wants to push things as far as he can because he needs his brain to be entertained, mm. apart from when it's in a jar 
all of that. I think that I think its reputation is going to grow, and I really wouldn't be surprised if we do see a sequel. They've obviously talked about yeah. doing a follow up. Aaron Sorkin, uh, he said he'll only do it if Fincher's on board. But where do you where do you stop? You know, yeah. this is an ongoing story, of, and you need of... to bring in other characters to give uh, Mark Zuckerberg some sort of emotional like uh, engine because. Yes. You can't have the story where Mark Zuckerberg, you've got to go to Congress because he didn't give a shit. So how do you show someone not engaging with something? You can't. It needs mm. to be the supporting cast, but they would need to be real people and all the rest mm. of it. It'd be, I think it would be hard to do because the moment where he sits down in front of Congress, you want to be worried about him, but you're not worried about him because he's not worried about it. Let's do it. Let's write it. And yeah. we'll cast Michael Cera. <laughs> the, sort of, the sort of silly <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. That's a good idea. All right, on to next week. Um, yeah. Clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your clue? Bowling, dude, bowling. <laughs> uh, do you want to explain that? <clears throat> yeah. So there was a cricket, there was a bowler, in, a cricket bowler, I believe is the official term. I think it was called Mushtak Ashtar. And Mark used to watch cricket. And so people used to shout when Mushy used to bowl very well. Bowling, mushy, bowling, right, all the time. And so it was just something that got said in our house quite a lot. Okay, so this clue will go down well in your house. But what is the Venn diagram (laughs) of people that used to watch cricket matches with that guy in and people listen to our podcast? I have absolutely no idea. I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? We will find out. But yeah, so, and I came up with it super quick. So it's bowling, dude, bowling, if you can't even tell what I'm saying. But the person that used to shout after Mushtak actually always said it in the same way, bowling, mushy, bowling. This is bizarre. That's why I said it like Um, that. All right, the films. On Monday, I am doing Kingpin. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) The 10-pin bowling movie, (laughs) uh, which is available to rent on Apple and Sky in the UK. And on Thursday, Vicky is presenting... The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. (laughs) And that's currently airing on Sky in the UK. And yes... That's a bowling movie as there well. There you go, you see? <laughs> Makes perfect sense. So there you go. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at ClashPod. And we are back on Monday with Kingpin. Until then, take care. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.